Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. You guys already know the deal. Like, share, subscribe, leave a comment down below. I know that we're all really sad about this loss. We'll get into it here. My name is Iman, and I am joined by Asad. Asad, what's up? Uh, not much. Uh, just, you know, looking at draft footage for the lottery. Uh, you know, getting ready to go. Uh, what What's up with you? Let's, how, how do you feel after that game? How do I feel? Honestly, um... It was an annoying loss, but I feel fine about it, you know, because the way that I sort of saw this entire thing, especially post-trade deadline when when they got Yakupurdo and, you know, refused to be sellers at the deadline was, okay, you've got this window to prove yourselves, prove that you guys are a core to bet on, prove that you guys have the right pieces. And, you know, you've got three free agents. You also have Nick Nurse, all of these guys that are in limbo, four integral guys to this team um are up in limbo and so it's like now's your time to prove it this is the runway and to me losing in four games to milwaukee wouldn't teach you anything more than this one playing game taught you and so i'm like hey you you needed the data to learn what this team has and i think tonight's game was emblematic of the toronto raptor season as a whole and like I don't know if emblematic is the word that I want to use. I'm fasting, guys. Leave me alone. Um, but uh, so we're talking after, of course, the Raptors lose 105-109 to the Chicago Bulls in, I would say, a heartbreaking fashion, but it's not. It's just a frustrating fashion, which is kind of what this season has been, frustrating. And they don't deserve to be in the play-in. They were the nine seed. And... Honestly, if you look at why, it's because of a lot of fourth quarter blowout um, and uh, crumbles and chokes, and that's exactly what they did tonight. So, I said, what did you think about this game? Uh, I think this game was, again, like I think you said it, right? Like, this basically encapsulated the entire Raptor season for this team, right? Like, I think what you saw, again, was you saw the starters play really well. The starters build up a giant lead. And then by the end of the third quarter, as guys started to tire out, uh, they let go of the rope. And it becomes difficult, again, when your starters are playing 40, 42 minutes um, across the board and the other team is has, like, one guy, two guys that are actually playing those minutes, right? Uh, and that's what we saw again. Like, we saw a team that they're t- – and, like, there are questions, I think, that are valid in terms of our – Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam as leaders of the team, like good enough to be the guy, right? Which is like, sure, that's a question when it comes to contention. But in terms of like whether being a good team or not, I don't think there's any question that the starting lineup that the Raptors had post-trade deadline is a good core. They great numbers wise across the board. They're a five-man unit that works, but what you did see is that all of these guys are overextended. They are playing too many minutes. 
And when they play too many minutes, you see the efficiencies drop, whether it's with Fred Van Vliet and his shooting throughout the season, injury management for these guys. Like every other team in the league, a lot of the better teams in the league, they're able to rest one of their key guys on a back-to-back or in a four games and seven nights. They're able to get a rest night. The Raptors do not have the ability to rest any of their players this entire season because again, the only time these guys get to rest is if they're injured because if they're healthy, they have to play and they have to play 40 minutes. And I think what you saw today was, and like, of course there's things in the game, right? Like you can talk about like why they lost the game, which is like, Hey, they missed 18 free throws. Going to lose a game. If you miss that many free throws, Hey, like they had a chance at the end and they missed three free throws or they didn't really score well in the fourth or they got no help from the bench. And those are all yes reasons why they lost. But I think on a bigger perspective is like, well, why, why were they unable to score in the second half? Well, one, they have three ball handlers on the team, three primary ball handlers on the team. All three of them are on the starting lineup and Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. And in Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, they're forwards who are primary ball handlers. So they have a limitation where if you blitz them with guards at the perimeter, they can get under their dribble. They're, it's not as easy for them to get downhill, Right. And the Bulls decided to punish the Raptors by coming up the paint and sending hard doubles, hard blitz at their ball handlers to force the ball out of their hands, make them make tough passes and turn them over. The Raptors got turned over, what, I think six times in the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, And you have to really think like, okay, well, these are the guys who are primary ball handlers. If they're the ones that are having to have the ball in their hands in the starting lineup. And then when you go to the bench, you have – nobody off the bench who can be a primary ball handler either. And all these guys are also having to play 40 minutes. That's a ton of pressure to put on you. On top of that, the Raptors failed to make their free throws. And now the Bulls who are playing this aggressive defense, which is going to be more prone to foul. They're okay with fouling because it's like, Hey, if we get called for a foul, whatever, they're only going to hit one or two. But if we don't, we get to turn around the other way and get out on the break, get out in a transition, turn them over. And that's what you saw in the fourth quarter. You see tired players make tired plays. And that kind of goes back to the whole season. There's not really a good reason for why the Raptors starting lineup played 24 minutes tonight, 24 and a half minutes. They played tonight together as a fivesome, right? And then the Raptors had a ton of units where they only had one bench guy in. And all of those units completely fell apart. How is that possible? There's no good team in the league that has that happen where it's like your bench cannot, like your bench players cannot be that much of a step below. And Precious Achua, I think, played decently. He played okay. He was able to give you some defensive things. It wasn't completely a hole on offense. He was able to hit both his free throws, which is something you didn't see. But, and again, maybe he's injured. Maybe there's good reasons for this. Maybe we'll hear that in the exit interview. I'd love to hear it. Gary Trent Jr., post-All-Star game, post-All-Star, post-All-Star, has just not been a positive contributor for this team in any fashion. Like, quite truly... And people could say, oh, well, he's coming off the bench. Now he has to create his own shot. That's more difficult. I would argue against that. I don't think it has, like, yes, he doesn't have the self-creation. But even in the starting lineup, Gary Trent Jr.'s role is just as a play finisher. A majority of his points come from hitting catch-and-shoot open threes that are created by better players. So if the best player that's coming off your bench also cannot create for anybody or create his own shot and cannot be a ball handler, it puts a lot of pressure on the guys on your team that are the ball handlers. And you see that you see Pascal Siakam forever and Scotty Barnes under a lot of pressure because anytime they're in a bench unit, they have to not only then bring the ball up every time, but now it's like bring the ball up under pressure. 
uh, so the ball doesn't turn over, get the play set up, and then if the play fails because guys don't get in the right spots, create on your own. So it's like you play hard starting lineup minutes, and then you play even harder bench minutes. And I think you saw that all come to a head against Chicago where, like, I'll pull up the stats here. And I know I'm going on a little long here, but it's something that I've been kind of thinking about for the last few hours. Please, go on. And it really just, uh, like, in the second half for the Chicago Bulls, they got 11 minutes out of Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams hit two shots, hit a three, and he got two blocks. They got 10, 11 minutes out of Kobe White, in which he got a steal, two assists. Um, and, again, Patrick Williams, a plus three in his minutes. Kobe White, a plus eight in his minutes. They got two minutes out of Ao Desumu. They got four minutes out of Derek Jones Jr., right? Small minutes. That's a total of, what, 20, 29 minutes across those four bench guys in the second half? The Raptors got a total of three minutes out of Chris Boucher, nothing. They got four minutes out of Precious Achua. He hit two free throws and made one shot on a putback. They got nine minutes out of Gary Trent, 0 for 3, nothing. Like, bringing nothing to the table. He got one rebound. So it's like, if and I'm not, when I say nothing, I mean, there's literally not another stat on the thing. There's not a foul. There's not, like, a turnover. Like, there's nothing else there. So it's like, well, if you're, like, top bench guys, like, you go, like, People say, like, when teams play five, five versus, oh, it's five versus eight out there. They're usually talking about the referees, right? But, like, tonight it was the Raptors played five versus eight because the other team had eight players they could trust, and the Raptors had only five guys that they actually put out there. Where Patrick Williams played uh, 25 minutes, Kobe White played 25 minutes. The Raptors bench combined played 32 minutes, and Gary Trent Jr. was 17 minutes completely ineffective. And then when you look at the margin of victory, and it's like a four-point game, after four quarters and the other team's best player goes off for 39 points. And like, it's just like, you have to think where it's like, are the Raptors really a worse team than the bulls? No. Like these are all teams that are within the same mark, but the Raptors have such a giant gap between their best players and any replacement level player on their team that you get this issue where like you're just going to blow leads as the game wears down, as the minutes get long. Now the Bulls, three best players, Zach Levine ends with 40 minutes, Nikola Vucevic, 39 minutes, DeMar DeRozan, 38 and a half minutes. The Raptors had four players hit 40 minutes. OG, Pascal, and Gary all hit 42 minutes. All three of them played the entire you said fourth Gary, quarter. I think you meant Fred. Oh, I meant, sorry, Fred. I meant Fred. Fred, Pascal, and OG all hit 42, 42 and a half minutes. All three of them played the entire fourth quarter. And then you wonder, it's like, oh, maybe that maybe that's why they're tired at the end of the quarter and making less great decisions or getting blown by on the perimeter a little bit more often. Where it's like, even the best players in the league, like people would point to Kevin Durant, be like, oh, Kevin Durant played all 48 minutes in that tough uh, game against the Bucks, right? That was such a great performance. But these are one-offs. Like, it'll be like one player, like one great player on your team is having to play the entire game. Rarely do you see other teams where their entire starting lineup is having to play 40 minutes just to be like close in a game. And like, yes, there can be questions asked about are Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet good enough that in 34 minutes they can impact the game to give you a win. But I think the other question is like, how do the Raptors move from this to actually give these guys a chance? And like, whether these guys are here or not next season, you know, Scotty Barnes is going to be there. Most likely Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi are probably going to be there. And Jakob Pertl, like, if you trade it for him, most likely he's going to be back. 
I don't see reasons why they wouldn't be back unless you completely blow it up. I would argue against that. That's a different conversation to have. But there is no way that you can continue playing guys 40 minutes just to be competitive. When in their minutes, they're very good. The starting lineup again, like they played 24 and a half minutes and they, I think they ended up being a plus one on the night, which like given that they got completely, they lost the fourth quarter by like 13 points kind of evens out where it's like up until the end of three quarters, they were dominating the bulls and the bulls are a team that had a really good starting five. They have the best starting five in this back half of the season. Yeah. Right. So like you have two teams with really good starting fives going at it. And at the end of the day, what it came down to is you can talk about missed free throws. You can talk about a play here, a play there, but what it really comes down to is one team has five guys that they can trust. The other team has five guys they can trust plus another three guys that can actually help them out. And that's what it came down to in this game. That's what it's kind of come down to this entire season. We saw it last season where the Raptors would play the Miami Heat and the entire starting lineup plays 46 minutes and you win in double overtime. It's like, oh, it's a great win. But this season we see, hey, the guys are all playing 40 minutes. And now instead of winning by two or three points at the end of the game, they don't have the energy to do that. They're losing by two or three points at the end of the game. And it's a factor of burnout. It's a factor of just you need to have guys that come off your bench and give you something that takes some pressure off of your main guys. Who off the bench can dribble the ball? It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question who can dribble the ball. And if the best answer is that out of the four guys off the bench who played, Will Barton is the best primary ball handler, I think that's an issue, right? So those are my thoughts on it. You know what? I completely agree with you. And you you said, okay, you said a lot there. So let's, let's get into some of it. Because I think about the start of the fourth quarter, I tweeted out, this is the story of the Toronto Raptors, right? Their starters look great. Bench can't do anything. Starters get tired being overworked. And there you go. That's ball game. The, the game ends poorly. And the reason why you're in this sort of play-in scenario is because we can look at so many games that sort of follow that same formula. And uh, VJ and I did a pregame preview, and we were talking about this game and, and he mentioned you know I think Kobe White being his x-factor and I mentioned Gary Trent Jr. being mine and the reason for that was in every single game the Raptors played against the Bulls this year the Bulls bench had at least 30 points the Raptors bench had that one time and that was one and that uh, Raptors obviously came out and won that and that was because Gary Trent Jr. got hot and I thought if Gary's shot is not here that's going to be a major problem from this team. And that's exactly what we saw tonight, right? And it's interesting because that's a conversation that you kind of have to have with a player like that. But beyond that, okay, so I think I think we're we we've the bench conversation keeps coming up because your your point there with with the the amount of minutes that the entire starting lineup played together, and then any single moment you had, whether it be Chris Shane, Precious Achua had a good game today, uh, Will Barton played a couple of minutes, or Gary Trent Jr., whether you had any of those guys on, it was a clear problem. They were attacking Gary Trent Jr. on defense, and he couldn't give you anything on offense. I think the only shot he hit was that one midi that he took, um, and every single catch-and-shoot opportunity was a break, and that's going to be a problem. But Here's why I didn't care that the Raptors lost this game and why I think it's like it's fine is because this game showed us exactly what the season was. And in the most important game of the season, the formula is still the same. Your starters are good, but your starters are not good enough to keep this momentum, to keep the defensive intensity that they had in the first quarter, to maintain that throughout the entire game, the shot making, the decision making, all of that to maintain that through the entire game and beat a team that 
has great starters and a great bench that is able to sort of distribute those minutes across the board. Your team is just not able to sustain that because really what no team can through a through game 83 of the season. And so I don't need you to lose four games against the Milwaukee Bucks in order for me to learn this lesson. I think this one game shows that. Um, and and I, like, so I'm, I'm glad that this game happened and it ended in the way that it did. Sure, you get a lottery pick out of it, but um. I want I want to talk about like we we can pivot. I know that you have something to add here, but we can pivot after that towards sort of what actually happened in the game, like the the positives and maybe some of like the negatives with the starters. Um, and and looking at that as opposed to just saying this team needs a bench, this team needs a bench, this team needs a bench because it's something that we've been yelling from the rooftops. I think your point about an extra ball handler is also really important and and a downhill threat, right? Because like you don't have that. You you like Friday Night was what one for nine. From two? Yeah, he's one for nine for two. <laughs> but again, it's brutal. like even if Fred Van Vliet is one for nine for two, who else on the team is even getting downhill? At least Fred Van Vliet is able to take a screen and get downhill. And like again, the the Bulls completely sold out the the middle. They 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 decided that anytime the Raptors starters weren't out there, they were gonna sell out the guys out there. They're not gonna guard Chris Boucher, they're not gonna right. guard Preston Chua. Right. And they're showing two, three bodies at the rim every single time. It yeah. was a physical game. They did not call, like, the Raptors ended up with a ton of free throws because the Bulls were doubling hard and blitzing hard and creating fouls there. But there weren't a lot of shooting fouls that the Raptors were getting. And yeah. that went both ways. So, like, again, Fred Van Leet's a small guard. You know his limitations. That's fine. Goes hit seven three-pointers. That's great. You can talk about it. But, but the one but- thing I wanted to talk about before we get to this yeah. Is when we talk about the minutes load, it's like something has to give at some point. You can't have a hyper-aggressive defense where you're doing yeah. all this movement, all this closeout, and then also have all your guys play 40 minutes, have all of them be self-creating, be like having a mismatch hunt heavy offense. Like at some point, something's got to give, right? We're only playing five guys. And yeah. you could blame Nick Nurse for that. But there's also a thing is like, hey, if you want to win the game, if it's in the regular season and you want to blow – 16, 20 minutes on playing a bunch of bench guys, heavy minutes. Sure. But guess what? You're probably going to lose the game flat out. When it came down to the playoffs, how many guys on the bench do you actually trust? And how many guys on the bench can you actually look at and be like, oh, maybe if they got more minutes in the regular season, you could trust them more. I can't point to anyone on that. Jeff bench Doughton, but he can't play. Jeff Doughton's the only one who probably could have came in and spare you some minutes. But even then with Jeff Doughton, like, and those are separate thoughts that we can have. He doesn't actually give you any type of offensive punch or anything. He's a he's a maintenance player, right? He's going to come in and he's just going to play. But defense, you needed that. You mistakes. needed that. You needed that. But it's not just about having that. You need to have somebody come off your bench and actually create something. You can't. Okay, just no, for sure. We can. I think. I think. I think that that there there are two conversations to have here, and I think yeah. that like unfairly, the reason why I keep bringing up Gary Trent Jr. is because he is your best bench player. He is someone who started the majority of the games. He is oh, someone that you sort he's of. The, he's the guy who's going to get paid twenty to twenty five million dollars. I don't know that that's going to be happening. And the question is, is if you're a starting level shooting guard. Then what do you like? What do you do other than shoot the ball? And if you but, can't make a jump shot, what can you do? But that's a, that, okay. So the conversation about Gary Trent Jr. and his contract, and I made some jokes about you know, well, well, at least you get him at a discount now. I think that conversation is something that we can have at a later date because you start to see the obvious holes in his in his game, and he's still incredibly young. But when you're being attacked defensively consistently and on offense, your shot's not hitting. You don't ha- you don't give anything, and you you. To your point, the Raptors need a downhill threat. The Raptors need another ball handler. He is your guard. He is the second smallest player on the court. He is your guy who's supposed to fulfill these things, and he just he does not have that in him. I like I've always said, I don't think I've ever seen 
um, Gary Trent Jr. is like the ball handler in a pick and roll and not just take a shot. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him pass, uh, but it's just like a, a jumper that he's going to take in that scenario. And so I, I think the conversation about Gary, I don't want to harp, harp too much on that because he had a good season and it's unfortunate that it's ended in the way that it has. But I think contract stuff, conversation that can happen for another day. Um, Fred Van Vliet is your starting point guard and you know he he had a good game I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna fault him I know he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the fourth quarter and I know he went one for nine from two and that's that's brutal uh and he was looking for calls I think he does that quite often especially early on in the game and the refs were just not blowing the whistle so he kept getting he kept getting to the rim he kept going downhill and they just were not giving him anything um and that's brutal to watch but he has hit his threes which is something that you want from him but if you're a team what we've learned, you need to have a Jakob Pertl. You need to have a center. You also need to have a guard who has, who's a downhill threat. You need, like, you watch a team with DeMar DeRozan and you watch a team with Zach Levine and you see these guys and you're like, oh, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to just, obviously these are two stars in the NBA, but to me it was just, it was it was a little disheartening. I think they're, they're clear weaknesses with this team and I think anyone who maybe at the start of the year in the middle of the year could have pointed to some weaknesses this one game showed and highlighted all of them Pascal Siakam I want to say was spectacular in this game okay the lights were brightest and he really did show up for you I know everyone's going to be talking about those missed free throws that could have tied the game up um that's unfortunate DR was the true star of this game (laughs) um but uh Pascal played about as well as you can hope that he would play in this game. Um, what were your thoughts on what you got from, because Jakob Pertl, in all honesty, this is one of his most disappointing games to me. Uh, so what were your thoughts on on Jakob Pertl? And let's talk about some of the other starters as well with OG and Scotty. Honestly, like when I look at the starters, like Jakob Pertl, I think the most disappointing thing is the five turnovers. He really did get pressed when like he they threw him the ball in the middle and the Bulls were very aggressive with attacking the hands from above. They're coming over the top and knocking the ball loose. And he definitely struggled with that pressure, uh, which was not the best uh, situation for him. I think uh, he didn't deal with that aggression terribly well. That said, still ends the night on a plus six on 36 minutes. He rebounded the ball great, set some incredible screens. And that's one of the things where it's like, you to be fair, does player. he play in a lot of those hybrid lineups? <laughs> like, no, that's the thing. I think when, that's the benefit is he's just playing with starters out there. Jakoperto gets to base it. Because the thing is, like, and this also comes down to roster balance, right? Like, Nick Nurse spoke about this post game where it's like the Chicago Bulls played a lot of good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so it's difficult for the Raptors to really bring their, their bigs that are on the bench onto the floor because you're constantly playing lineups that have a lot of small players on the court. And that's where it's like, 
hey, if Gary Trent Jr. was playing better, maybe you could play him more minutes because the other team was playing a lot of smaller guards. Uh, honestly, Will Barton Jr. got Will Barton got two minutes, and you don't want to ever have to rely on a buyout guy. But even over like even with all the missed shots that Will Barton has over the course of the back half of the season. I can say that he's probably been a more well-rounded player when he's been on the court than Gary Trent Jr. has since the All-Star game. And it could be any injuries. But let's talk about the starters. My thing is, is that when you have to require them to all play 40 minutes, 42 minutes, Fred VanVleet plays the entire second half, there are going to be mistakes. You're not going to get a get them to pitch a perfect game. And no team requires their starters to pitch a perfect game. So when we look at this, like, oh, Fred VanVleet went one for nine inside inside the arc. That's bad. But if we look at it, a lot of those misses are either in the first quarter when he was driving a little heavy and you're waiting to get a call for the whistle, or in the second half in situations where you're in hybrid lineups and when you look to your right, you've got Chris Boucher. When you look to your left, you've got Precious Achua. So it's like, okay, either I can give them the ball and hope for the best while the Bulls are sending, like, multiple defenders at them, or I can try to create a jump shot in, in the mid-range against the big that I have on a mismatch. And it's like, at that point, it's like, hey, I might only be able to create a 30 40% shot, but looking at the guys around me and what the shot clock's at at this point, maybe that's the best shot we can get. And you can make the argument that, okay, maybe you should have a better player there. But I would also argue, like, Scotty Barnes did a good job finishing plays. Uh, he didn't really do a whole lot of self-creation. He, where he did was where he was able to catch the ball in the low post and get a DeMar DeRozan or smaller. He was able to get into the post, but he also struggled with the doubles with the guards coming down on him in the post. We had a couple of times where he either got trapped on the baseline or got trapped with two defenders or turned it over. And again, that's not a fault to him. That's just a matter of like the Bulls are playing good defense. The Raptors did a good job moving the ball. They had a lot of turnovers in the second half that came from passing issues, but those were in hybrid. Those were in hybrid situations. The big stretch was Fred, Scotty, and Jakob there at the end of the third quarter, I believe. Um, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth. I think it would be end of the third, where they kept getting trapped and either it was Scotty turning it over, Jakob turning it over, Fred turning it over. And I look at the court and I'm like, they can't pass to the other two guys on the court because if you give it to them, it's for sure a turnover. And that's that's troublesome, right? And that's something where the other team is allowed to blitz you because you're not hitting your free throws. And now you're getting kind of crunched. So I don't think across the starters, I don't think any of them had a bad game. I said, I think Pascal Siakam had a very good game. I think OG Ananobi had a pretty average game. He was incredible defensively. Yeah. Um, couldn't get his threes to fall. Uh, and then going to the rim, he was two for six, but I did really like his aggression going to the rim. He tried to dunk the ball multiple times and the Bulls played great defense. Patrick Williams was awesome. He got like he a lot so of, he got he a lot of dunks. He got like, tonight. he got a lot of dunks off the back, the, like from behind on Scotty on Pat, OG on Jakob even. So he was auditioning awesome. for his future team. Legitimately. He did a really good job in this game. And like, I, I have trouble blaming a Pascal, a Scotty or Fred in a game where they have such high usage or they're so entrusted with the ball. Because it's like, okay, if not them, then who else are you giving the ball to? And I would even say, like, when people when people blamed. talk about superstars, you think when people talk about superstars, yeah, and like because the argument will end up being like, oh, they should level up. I would love to them to look at what happened to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving 
in that first round series against the Celtics last year. Those two guys are legitimate superstars. And Kevin Durant, they did not have any once they didn't have James Harden, they were surrounded by a team, they were surrounded with a team that didn't have much ball handling. They were all just play finishers, a lot older team. They ran into a Celtics defense that was very good, trapped a lot, was very aggressive on them. And Kevin Durant struggled to like handle the ball because he's a big uh, forward. They would stick a smaller defender and Marcus Smart to get under his dribble, and he turned the ball over a bunch. Kyrie Irving struggled to create offense in that series. Like these are issues that all players like if you if you create a roster that requires only one or two players to create everything, you're going to have this issue across the league because the league is too talented. At the end of the day, the Raptors need more creation. And that's what you saw on this lineup. It's not it's not about better creation. They could use better creation as well, but they need more guys you can trust with the ball, because if you can only give two or three guys the ball at any given time, that becomes an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to like when you said last year, I was like, did they play this out? I forgot that like we're in a new playoffs. So yeah, yeah that was last season, uh, which is wild. Um, I, I want to sort of I want to flip this over to to the Bulls. The Bulls. Um, and and I mentioned this. I think I think when everyone was sort of picking what team they wanted the Raptors to play, um, the Bulls were sort of at the top of the list. And you know, I was saying like, yeah, makes sense. Uh, the Bulls, although have been the best team of the play-in bunch, and the Heat have been the worst team. Something that I kept repeating, but like understandable why you would want to play the Bulls I thought that the Raptors had a clear advantage over the Bulls except when it came of course to the bench which obviously keep harping on it that's that has been the biggest the biggest difference maker there um but I want to ask you what are your thoughts on this Bulls team do you think that they can make some noise do you think that they can upset the Miami Heat make the playoffs make some noise against the Bucks what are your thoughts I definitely think they can beat the Heat the Heat have the same issue they have very few ball handlers yeah they're not a very good offense like their offense struggles and like all shouts out, like Alex Caruso was incredible in this game. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why he's on a lot of people's all all defense teams. He was an incredible, like, because he he's their starting power forward. Yeah. And he's like six five, but he is massive. Any person that drew him had struggled. Whether like Pascal did a good enough job, even yeah. with that matchup. Scotty had a little bit of trouble with him. Pascal was struggling to kind of get position against him. OG struggled with him. Fred struggled with him. He was amazing. He was all over the place. He did a fantastic job for them. And again, like, even though the Bulls do play generally small, I think they are still able to get a little bit of size up on the floor when Patrick Williams plays well. Like, Patrick Williams is a strong guy. He was pressing Pascal, I think, all 94 feet when he was on in the fourth quarter. No, That's that's why he was my X factor in this game. I'm like, if you get a good Pat Williams game... This is bad for the Raptors. Because... And he shot like it wasn't even like he shot four for twelve. He was two no, and five if, for if three. He, if he that, that for one, that's good. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would have taken it. Um, and 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 to his size, you you saw it. I thought initially when when Demar Rosen sat in that first quarter and they just brought Pat Williams Pat Williams right away. I was just like, oh, I'm noticing the size difference right now when you have Patrick Williams in as opposed to Demar Rosen and Alex Crusoe's. You're like three four, like whatever whatever combination that is. You saw it right away. Yeah. I do think Miami probably likes the fact that they prefers the Chicago matchup to the Toronto matchup, just oh, because for sure. I think like a the size difference is a lot. It's a lot more even. Close Miami's up. biggest issue is that like they have to play Bam as the five. They have no other big. So anytime Bam gets switched onto a perimeter player, it's a free offensive rebound for the other team. Yeah. Um. Which again, like Chicago did a pretty good job getting on the glass in this game and. Yeah. 
they have some strong guards that can get on the glass. So like if Alex Caruso is hitting the offensive grass on the weak side, uh, that could be a problem for them, uh, for the Heat. I think it'll really just come down to, again, for the Heat, they need their shooters to show up. And that's a big question mark. For the Bulls, they don't have shooters, so it doesn't really matter. It just depends on how many threes Zach Levine can hit because nobody else is really going to make any. Timeout. Um, Alex Crusoe and Pat hey, Bev what? hit them. Alex Crusoe hit a three, which is Both incredible. of them hit them in the exact same spot. Yeah. Pat they, Bev and they, Alex Crusoe They both one went three. one for four, and, <laughs> but it mattered. Like, the, the Bulls hit seven threes and won this game. Um, and, like, the Raptors hit 11. So the Raptors beat them by four threes. The Bulls hit the same amount of free throws as the That's Raptors. That's fine. That's that's yes. actually a hilarious stat. Both the Raptors and the Bulls hit 18 free throws. The Raptors shot 14 more free throws than the Bulls. So uh, that's kind of the position game at the end of the day. But um, in terms of the Heat Bulls matchup, I think I think I think it'll be close. I think it'll be another rock fight. It'll go down to the wire. Um, it'll really just depend on what Miami can get out of Jimmy Butler. Like if Jimmy Butler is again only free throw grifting, like someone's got to make shots. And if Jimmy's only getting offense by getting to the free throw line, which he will. He'll get to the free throw line 15, 16 times, but they need more than that. They're going to need a special game. Like Zach Levine got to the free throw line 15 times in this game, but he also hit 12 shots. Right. And like DeMar DeRozan's going to get you 10 buckets. Like that's stuff where I don't know if Miami has enough buckets in them. And Chicago's a good defense. Chicago enough? puts a lot of pressure on those guards. And one of the issues that the, the Heat starting lineup has is they don't have a point guard because they bring Kyle Lowry off the bench. Uh, and Tyler Hero is uh, he struggles with length, yes, but uh, he also struggles creating an advantage off his first step. Uh, so not quick enough. It's uh, it's going to be interesting if you throw an Alex Caruso on a Jimmy Butler, maybe. But like in the minutes Jimmy sits and you're trying to carry the offense with Tyler Hero, how does that work? Uh, having Patrick Beverly and Alex Caruso to kind of like bug the Heat's ball handlers, that'll be a lot. It'll really who come you, down to who I think, are you rooting for in that game. I honestly don't care. Uh, I think like Kyle versus Demar. Both of these teams are getting slapped by uh, the Bucks. Uh, honestly, Demar is at least like on a team where he matters um, to the team. The Heat don't care. Kyle Lowry is their best player. I'm He's, so sorry. Kyle Lowry is their best player, but the Heat don't deserve him. So they don't. like the Heat are de- most likely going to move from Kyle anyways this summer. Uh, I say I'm put home. him out of his misery. Let that man go home to his kids and enjoy his summer and get ready for wherever next he gets to play. Uh, because Kyle Lowry, I think, still has some juice in him to play on a good team. Uh, the we Miami Heat it. are not that team. <laughs> we we just saw it. We just saw it. He had a ph- phenomenal night. Now, Mike Roach um, reported in front of the show. Um, Bobby Webster wa- was walking into the locker room, and Patrick Beverly runs right by him and says, I knew they were effing trash. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hey, that's the play-in king, Patrick Beverly. You know, we can't talk any trash. He has not lost a play-in game yet, right? So he, he, you got to respect him. He's the LeBron of the play-in tournaments. So. Well, timeout. That is Trae Young. <laughs> Trae Young is 3-0 in the play-in. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was hilarious because it's like, <laughs> okay, Mr. Four Points in a game. <laughs> like, this team needed to have a historically low free-throw shooting game to lose this, which, in all honesty, is like, you get a lottery pick. You needed, like, you got to see, to me, to be honest, why I was anti-tank, why I was uh, not a fan of that is because I thought, well, for one, tanking is to actively lose. Is is to want to lose. Is to not play your guys so that you can lose. It is bad. I don't like it. Um, And 
I thought, okay, you make this big trade, which I was, I was happy about. You stand pat at the deadline, which I was happy about, because you want to see what this core can do. And so you throw them out there and you give them this time to prove themselves, right? And that's what they've done. And you get to see exactly what it is. And I thought this game showed you exactly who the Raptors are. I think we saw exactly who the Raptors are, which is not to say they're, they're not a worse team than the Chicago Bulls, right? Like they needed to have a historic historically bad free throw shooting night in order to lose this one which great because now you get a lottery pick so not only did you not get to take the entire year you got to actually see what this team could do which 500 they're not particularly yeah. good but you also get like a lottery pick out of it to me it's a win-win it's a win-win and, I'm, I'm and, fine that's a, that, and that's the thing that i think like people who are probably gonna come out again like i understand like you lose a game it's been a frustrating season like there's a lot of negativity surrounding the team and that's fair uh, yeah. But what I think is, is like when you think about tanking where it's like, hey, like when you look at this Raptors team, is the issue that they don't have the best top end talent or is the issue that they don't have enough talent? I like, think it's both enough talent. And like the issue could I think easily it could be, be both. both. They, I think the answer could easily be both. But we've seen around this league, like how top end talent moves is top end talent moves mainly via trade. Like you can draft a guy, but a lot of teams that draft a guy usually are just unable to build a team around them like because it's hard to get because that means you have to hit every single draft pick you have to get some signings and that way you can flesh a team out the raptors already have a good core group of guys mm -hmm. they don't have any contracts that are not tradable so if a player comes up they could make a trade in the future uh they have an off season the, coming up where they can they yeah. can just sign some really terrible but the biggest thing is, is like exactly but the biggest thing is, is like what you're able to do now is like, it's good that they got a lottery pick. They can now mm -hmm. get another player in. And when you look at the starting lineup for the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet undrafted brought in by the Raptors, right? That's a Raptors developed player. OG Ananobi Raptors lottery pick. Scotty Barnes. Not lottery pick. First oh, round. it wasn't a lottery. Oh yeah. First round. Sorry. Scotty Barnes Raptors lottery pick. Yaka Raptors lottery pick. Pascal Siakam Raptors first round. All these guys are guys that have been drafted by this team. Like, yes, Jakoperto has gone somewhere else, but someone that this team has envisioned, uh, right? The only first-round pick that I can really think of that hasn't really turned out is Malachi Flynn, number 29. I'll have more on him at a later date, um, maybe. But he's, uh, that's, like, outside of that, like, if the Raptors... If only Desmond Bain had the longer wingspan. Yeah. <laughs> so, it would have been a lottery think, pick, but and you I know think what there's I mean. uh, looking at the draft. I'm sure there'll be more draft coverage in the future, but there's some good guards in the draft, and I think the Raptors have an have an opportunity now to add another player for free to this roster that can give you some talent that can come off your bench and give you something. Um, it gives you another year to see what Scotty Barnes can develop into. If Precious Achua can give you something, maybe he can find some consistency in his final in the final year of his rookie deal. Um, and then kind of move from there. You still have a year to kind of decide on Pascal Siakam before he needs a new deal. Um, same with OG Ananobi. So now the question is like, Jakob Pertl, you have a chance to bring him back. Do you bring him back? I think you do. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, it's going to be a question for the offseason. Uh, I think again, you do. Which I personally would lean to bringing him back, regardless. I don't. I think don't think. The, I don't think you go into next season without yeah, a point guard, and yeah. you don't go into next season and, with a rookie point guard. Yeah, and like in either case, like even if you bring a rookie point guard in, um, look at Indiana. They have Benedict Matherin in, but he comes off the bench. He plays twenty five yeah. minutes a game, and that's a great way. Like point guards, a very hard position to learn. Um, 
I don't believe Scotty Barnes is a point guard. He's a point forward at the end of the day. Even in the mold of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Giannis Antetokounmpo has always played best with a point guard beside him. Yep. Uh, so if Scotty Barnes is going to be that type of player, which is what he most resembles, then he's always going to have a point guard with him. But you're going to need some better talent on this team. And I think that'll be the question for the uh, for the front office in the summer. And one question, like, I I think to get to your point about like, what does this team need top end talent or uh, just sort of, you know, additional talent to just sort of add? Yes, my response was initially both, but I think the the can't like the the response to that is okay. Well, what's easier to get, yeah. and what's easier to get is not the top in talent. So like, yeah. you can get that down the line. We've seen this Raptors team do it. We saw the Raptor team with Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry be like, okay, we're just going to continue to get additional talent to surround these guys, and then hopefully yeah. get top end talent through a trade or or what have you. Um, and I just I'm looking at this team and I'm like, like. I think I think your decisions. Yeah. I, and this and, is like, and my only thing is like, day, though, but my thing for balancing it is like, is the question like, how do we make this team a contender? You're not going to make this team a contender overnight, but you can make this a good team. In one maybe. Summer, right. And people will be like, oh, but you've got aging players, but they forget that. Hey, Scotty Barnes is like 21 years old. Yeah. Realistically, if you want to become a contender, it's going to come from internal growth of your lottery picks. Like you have lottery talent on your team that is going but to grow, right? That banner right there has no lottery pick the name on it. Just gonna just gonna point that out. Not a single lottery guy on there. Exactly. So it's it's one of those things where I think the Raptors are in a good position to continue make adding improvements, improving their team. They get their lottery pick this year. They obviously have no interest. I don't think they have any interest in tanking next year, given that they traded that pick as top five protected. So I think they would very much like to convey that pick and then have all their picks open for the future. Okay. So I think, and this is like, I think we're, we're sort of getting off the rails here because this is a pod really about the bulls. But um, I I think just to sort of cap off what you're saying there is like, if if your idea is to tank because you want to build a contender and you're looking at the development and the growth of Scotty Barnes, you're not winning a championship as the best player on the team until you're around 27, 28 at the latest, right? At the earliest, I should say, right? Like it very rarely happens to guys who are under that. And so so we're just going to be tanking for the next six, seven years. Like that's what everybody's just fine to sort of commit to, because then how are you going to have the proper talent around him by the time he turns 26, 27 um, to, to actually be a good team ready to contend. If all you're doing is playing bad basketball for the next five, six, seven years. And also how do you know that he's going to want to stay in that scenario? So I just think that like the idea that like, Oh, you got to tank to get out of this. Look at like the and, and NBA history tells us that that's not, a, a winning formula um it like we saw what a winning formula is three four years ago now five years ago oh jesus three years four years ago four years ago now we saw what a winning, winning formula was so um but but let's let's just uh, sort of close it off um on um a, a positive positive takeaway because i think we've just been talking a lot about the negatives of the chicago bulls toronto raptors game so it's one positive thing that you want to take away before before we close this out uh, I think uh, regardless of how the game closed, I think it was cool to see uh, Pascal Siakam's growth in the season uh, before he got tired. Um, he he hit the, the peak that he hit this season was higher than he's ever hit. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to see when a player does that and it shows that it's possible for him. Um, now the question is in the summer, how can you extend that? And like, if you're, like, how do you make that last for longer? How do you manage him as a player? And you saw in this game in the first half, Pascal was unguardable. Uh, he was basically taking any assignment on and just 
dominating it. He was able to guard on the other end. He was able to guard Vucevic on post up and completely body him. Uh, like that's his star player. He did a great job, um, regardless of how it might have ended at at the free throw line. Uh, I think the peaks that we saw were very encouraging. We saw some good peaks from Scotty Barnes this season. I think in this game, you also saw him get aggressive and have some good finishes, uh, make some good passing plays. So his growth uh, continued. And I think it, it was nice to just see that. I think it's always nice to see that the te- the concept of the team works. And that's what we saw with the starting lineup was like, in the starting lineup clicked. That was my exact And point. they played yeah. good basketball. They dominated. Like they played yeah. dominant defense. And they're able to get good looks on offense almost every time down, yeah. uh, which was something that was nice to see against the Chicago Bulls team. Um, and I think we've seen that a lot in the second half of the season. So that's, I think, one of the things that's been most positive to me. I very much enjoyed watching the starters play basketball. Uh, and, Less about the season, more about yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, but no, I, I completely, that was going to be mine. I think that like you, you wanted to know if this is going to work. And I think you saw that, what you what you believed this core could be, what you believe this starting lineup could be, you saw it, right? Like I got messages from people being like, "How are the Raptors bad?" Like, what? what? Like I'm watching this team. The names are great. They're like they play so well with each other, and I'm like, "Yes, when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it's bad." And we got to see all of it in today's game. It was the perfect Toronto Raptors game because it ripped the hearts out of every Toronto Raptors fan. But I think there's some positives to take away. Um, and so thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you everyone for listening and hopefully we'll come back with some, some positive feel good stuff to, to close out the year. Bye everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.